The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Well, Colin, you ready to be the Nashville representative of the Mazadcast this weekend? I am, I am. I'm ready to do a uh, correspondence interview. What are your expectations, Vanderbilt, Missouri? Match of the week. Truthfully, I expect to win. I don't expect to be an exciting win. I expect to be have driven a long way to be bored. <laughs> but I'm hoping that, uh, you know, maybe Drew Block lights it up. Sure. But uh, in truth, I expect to uh, see a lot more of Corey Fatoni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Corey Fatoni, I've got a little surprise for you. Really? He's joining us on the show today. Really? Corey Fatoni on the show? The Corey Fatoni, our uh, our freshman punter. It's pretty exciting. Well, you very, very rarely get a player on the show. You know, that's I feel like the coaches don't allow for that, especially, especially with freshmen. Right. Yeah, no, I know. We're, I'm, I'm excited about it, frankly. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, uh, he's not the only one joining us, however. I also have Christian DeAndrea, who is, comes from anchorofgold.com, which is a Vanderbilt football site. And, I didn't uh, know they had those. That's, that's impressive. Well, I had to search far and wide, but we found it. And so uh, he, I'll give him credit, knows something about Vanderbilt football, which is way well, more than I can say about myself. Yeah, somebody needs to. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Howard Richards is going to be on the show as well because uh, – Good old Howard. We got to talk offensive line struggles, and nobody's better than that than the old offensive tackle Howard Richards. So he's going to break down some of the changes at the line and uh, see what he thinks about whether it's going to help or not. Well, it certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah, that's my opinion. So uh, anyway, tell me what you what you think about uh, your trip to Vanderbilt when you're leaving, when you're coming back. I leave uh, Friday. I come back on Sunday. In the interim, it will be a uh, drunken mess. Yeah. Well. If we lose, if it seems like a huge waste of time, just remember, you spent tons of money to do it. Yeah, that'll be the, that'll be the uh, solace. Yeah, so enjoy that. If we lose to Vanderbilt, holy crap. Yeah, we lost to Kentucky this year, so don't rule nothing I know, rule, but rule Kentucky's not that bad. I mean, I mean, they're not good, but they're not that bad. I mean, Vanderbilt is, I think, you know, I, I don't mind. Without knowing anything about Vanderbilt, I can say pretty safely they are bad. They are bad, and uh, so are we, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, that's... You know what, I, maybe I didn't count that into my calculation. Right. But uh, I think you mentioned on our show last week, maybe we'll have some defensive touchdowns since we're incapable of getting offensive touchdowns. Sure. I mean, truthfully, Brennan, I don't know that we've uh, – we haven't really scored that much on defense, but we may be – the defense may be averaging as many points a game as the offense at this point. Yeah, I mean, zero has been the uh, standard for our offense for the most part, so any defense can produce that. Yeah, sure. Well, are you ready to get this preview show underway? Yeah, let's 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 hear it. I'm ready to listen to Corey and Howard and the other some guy. Other guy, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right, M I Z. Z O U. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. Missouri. 
This is the Mazzotcast. With us now is Christian DeAndrea from AnchorOfGold.com to talk a little Vanderbilt football with us. Thanks for joining us, Christian. Yeah, no problem, Brent. Thank you for having me on. No problem. So, uh, Vanderbilt, they, they seem to be a team this year who's in a very similar situation as Missouri. Uh, offensive struggles a little bit, uh, offensive line in particular. And uh, also, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you right off the bat is you guys have a, a rather young quarterback, a sophomore, I believe, Johnny McCrary, who uh, struggled a little bit against South Carolina. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, w- I just wanted to ask you, what uh, is, he, is he the starter for next week, and what, what can we expect when we see uh, Johnny behind center? Sure. So to say McCrary struggled a little bit against South Carolina is to say that the, uh, the Titanic was a small boat accident. McCrary had one of the worst fourth quarters in school history, uh, ended up throwing three interceptions, fumbled twice. Basically, every time the Vandy defense gave him an opportunity to steal a win in South Carolina, he threw it away. And that's been a problem he's had all year. Uh, he's great in the two-minute drill, but too much time. He, he's, he's terrible at checking down. the force bad passes in the tight spots, and he often ends up paying for it. Uh, now, that said, he's probably Vandy's guy throughout least the rest of the season. Uh, the guy behind him, uh, another sophomore, Wade Freeback, played last year as a true freshman, didn't impress. Came in this year against Austin P in a blowout. Was still pretty bad. So it doesn't look like taking McCrary out is going to give Vandy any kind of distinct advantage. Uh, one of the things that is important to look out for is the first week of the year that uh, Kyle Shermer, true freshman quarterback, son of Pat Shermer, former Brown head coach, uh, he is now on the depth chart. He's now listed as the number three quarterback. We haven't seen him on the depth chart before. It seems very, very likely that Vandy's going to continue to, to keep his red shirt intact. But it's interesting to see Mason might be opening up that quarterback competition a little bit more, and he might be a little bit more likely to give McCrary the hook, especially if he plays like he did last week in South Carolina. You know, I mentioned the offensive line issues. Uh, Missouri, that's really been the story of our season. Uh, we've got our true freshman quarterback and Drew Locke, but we just really haven't been able to see too much of what he can do because he hasn't had any time uh, in the pocket, and then there's been no running game to sort of open up the passing game at all. And uh, I know Vanderbilt's had some of the same struggles. Is that uh, can you tie any of McCrary's failures to that offensive line, or is it really all on McCrary's bad decision making? Oh yeah, no, it, it would be impossible to separate the two. Uh, they're both feeding into each other in terms of this holding this offense back. Uh, the Vandy really got dealt a bad hand early in the season. The linchpin of this offensive line, left tackle uh, Andrew Jelks, lost for the season with ACL tear. Uh, it wasn't the only major injury they had. They got uh, one of their starting receivers, C.J. Duncan, and a very good emerging tight end in DeAndre Woods. Um, so the offense has kind of been ravaged by these injuries. Uh, what they had to do is they had to shift Will Holden over from the right to the left tackle, and that really left a lot of instability on the right side of the ball. And you'll notice these you running plays that go right, uh, they tend to get stuffed. It's Ralph Webb running into the backs of his own blockers or is getting stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. It's pretty rare that you'll see a successful run go to the right side. So I fully expect Missouri to be loading up on, on that side of the ball on pass rushing plays. On plays, they're, they're going to be ready for anything coming to that side because they know they're going to be able to overpower guys like Greg Fromag, Barry Gujer, Justin School, who's a true freshman, coming along nicely, but still just not quite ready for intense pass rushes like Missouri's. But like you said, alluded to before, a lot more issues than just the, the blocking that's really affecting the passing game. Um, Ralph Webb is, is half the 
had a bit of a down year. He's had a, a bit of a sophomore slump. There's only been one game in 2015 where he's averaged more than four yards a carry. Uh, so he's seeing his effectiveness go down. He's a very shifty all-purpose back, but he really hasn't been able to get off his blocks. Um, really, the only game he's been impressive was against Middle Tennessee State, and you know that's not exactly like he, he, he's not going to impress them by beating the Blue Raiders. You know, <laughs> sure. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sure, yeah. And Missouri, they held Georgia in check. It ended up losing 9-6 to six because of our own offensive failings, but, uh, but the strong defense. Vegas has the over-under in this game. as I guess, one of the lowest over-unders in modern history. A lot of people are expecting another baseball score this week. The Vandy defense, I think the secondary is strong. We have a young receiving core. That's not really been the heat of our problem. It's been the pressure up front. Do you expect Vanderbilt to do anything to disrupt Locke's passing uh, based on what they've seen, you know, against Florida and Georgia. Granted, those are those are some of the premier pass rushing teams in the in the league. But is that where you expect Vanderbilt to try to make to exploit that offense and try to keep the score low? I do. Uh, you mentioned the Vandy secondary; they're having a very solid year, but they're really set up by the strength of a very underrated front line: uh, Adam Butler, Jay Woods, Mephi Lielo, and uh, Caleb Azbuki. Uh, four very, very solid guys in the trenches, guys right on the line in their Derek Mason 3-4 offense, and they kind of set the pace. Uh, they're good at uh, applying pressure, but they're also great at swallowing up runners and really forcing opponents to go deep into the passing game, uh, forces a lot of third and longs, and where they're at their best is inside the red zone. Um, Vanderbilt bends quite a bit. They allow a lot of you know, medium-sized drives into Vandy territory. But they also force a lot of field goals and field goal attempts because they are able to bow up and really uh, hit the hardest when it counts the most. So I would expect to see a big push up front from those four guys. Um, and then also you see uh, guys like Stephen Weatherly, Zach Cunningham coming out of the second level and making big, big stops. 
putting pressure on uh, on uh, your freshman quarterback and really disrupting what's been a pretty much unbalanced uh, Missouri offense. I think we're going to be able to do to Missouri what other teams have been doing to Vanderbilt so far this year. Well, I hope that's not true, uh, but I, I have no confidence on our Missouri offense. Uh, I, I, I saw last week that Vanderbilt was missing a couple of their linebackers against South Carolina. Did did it seem to affect them, or were they able to play around it with the talent that you mentioned earlier? And I guess, are, are those guys going to be back in the lineup this week? Uh, well, the biggest guy they're going to have back is Azubuki. Um, mm-hmm. He's a defensive end, but he also can drop back into uh, outside linebacker as a pass rusher in Mason's 3-4. He missed last week's game due to emergency dental surgery. Uh, he's still less this is questionable, but it seems like there, every indication seems to suggest that he'll play on Saturday. Uh, the other guy they're going to be missing is inside linebacker Nigel Bowden. Um, Bowden, heart and soul of his team defense last year. Uh, he missed a bunch of games so far this season. Fortunately, there's a lot of depth around him that can replace what he brings to the table, specifically with Cunningham and senior linebacker Darian Herring. Uh, came up in a big, big way early in his career. Uh, has basically been... Uh, a four-year regular for this team, and he—if anyone can be able to fill the spot uh, in, at the inside linebacking position, is guy like Herring. So even if Bowden uh, is going to miss this week's game, and that seems every uh, signal seems to suggest that uh, the team is still going to be in good hands because of guys like Herring, Chikari Thomas, Kari Blasting game behind him. Uh, the center of the field is going to be very solid thanks to a very strong linebacking core in Nashville. One guy I didn't hear you talk about on the offense, but uh, looked like he put up good numbers against South Carolina, Darius Sims. I guess he's the wide receiver and a return man. Is he the target for uh, the, the sophomore Johnny McCrary, or is he the guy on offense if there is going to be a guy? <laughs> so the, the funny thing is, is that uh, we, we've known Sims as this tremendous explosive athlete with a nose to the end zone for the past two and a half seasons at least. The problem is that Vanderbilt has really struggled to find ways to give him the ball other than on meaningless jet sweeps and reverses and other things that just didn't work. So that's why it was extremely satisfying to see Vanderbilt give him the ball on end around or on, uh, on sweeps and, and get, give him the ball in just regular carries because he provided such a strong, fast complement to Ralph Webb's kind of straightforward running style. South Carolina just couldn't keep up with him, and that's how he gained over 100 rushing yards and only six carries. Uh, I think we're going to see more of him, but I also think that Missouri is going to be much more prepared for him than South Carolina was, just because there really wasn't any game tape that showed what he can do in that kind of situation, because, like I mentioned before, that was the first time Mason and the offense coordinator, Andy Ludwig, really turned to him in, in such a high capacity. Now, if we want to talk about go-to guys on offense, uh, the traditional answer here is going to be number 10, Trent Sherfield. Uh, Sherfield rewrote the Vandy receiving record books with a huge 240-plus yard day against Austin P. Granted, Austin P is like playing an okay high school varsity team at this point, but still, he uh, double-digit receptions just, just tore that team up. He's a strong receiver, good route running, but very strong yards after catch capability out of this kid. Uh, very shifty, very quick, very tough to bring down. If it's not him, it's going to be Caleb Scott, who's emerged as more of a target for McCrary in, uh, in 2015 than he had as a true freshman in 2014. Strong player, good hands, uh, able to find seams in the defense. Not going to lie you with his speed or shiftiness, but a solid possession receiver, a very good number two next to Sherfield. The only problem is finding a quarterback connection to get him the ball. 
Missouri and Vanderbilt at this point are two teams that are basically trying to salvage their season. Missouri has uh, been a disappointment. I know that Vanderbilt the last two years has has really fallen off uh, after the James Franklin era. I'm just kind of curious what the attitude uh, in the Vandy Nation is about uh, head coach Derek Mason and what expectations are for him, if there's reason to feel like there's improvement in the future or if they feel like he hasn't really utilized the talent that uh, he was left with, or just what what is the feeling in Vanderbilt world about uh, Derek Mason? So the, the biggest issue with Mason coming, in, coming on early on was, was that expectations were a bit too high. I think a lot of fans didn't really stop to realize just how much talent that team was losing. Uh, Franklin left in part because the cupboard was bare. Uh, we were losing Jordan Matthews, who was basically just a cheer all on offense. If you got in trouble, you just throw it in his direction, he'd come down with it, he'd be able to move the chains. I can think of at least two different games that were won when Jordan Matthews pulled down a miracle catch on fourth down. Uh, and losing a player of that caliber was already going to have a major impact. They lost their most dependable lineman uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they lost a very stable starting quarterback, Austin Cartes-Daniels. They lost their entire starting secondary. So, Mason comes in, and not only is he dealing with tremendous turnover on the roster, he's also tasked with trying to switch from 4-3 to a 3-4, and he's trying to fit all of Franklin's old recruits into these kind of square peg round hole positions on defense. And on top of it, he's got a terrible, terrible offensive coordinator in Carl Durrell. Leads <laughs> to an awful, awful first year. Three and nine, but even those three wins were borderline unwatchable. This team was bad, 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 terrible. This year's been much better. And even though there's a chance they could go two and ten, they have shown real improvement, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've seen better play calling thanks to the hiring of Andy Ludwig. Uh, they brought him in from Wisconsin, and he's helped kind of calm things down on the offensive side. Uh, but where this team's really made strides is defense, and that defensive capability, having a top 25 statistical defense, is really what's going to help get Mason to that that third year. It's really going to help build some excitement for the future because this team still just loaded with underclassmen. Uh, they're only going to be able to bring in about 16 recruits next year because the, the roster is so stocked with young guys. They're not going to be losing a ton of talent, uh, and I think there are going to be some very high expectations for this team to return to a bowl game that year. Um, if they end up winding, if they end up going two and ten this season, it, this overall record is not going to matter as much as the improvement on the field. And I don't think we're going to see any losses like last year's fifty-one nothing blowout to to Mississippi State. But you know, we'll see. Missouri going into the SEC in two thousand twelve. Didn't know a ton about Vanderbilt. I think the only thing Missouri Tiger fans really knew about uh, the Commodores was that the SEC was a series of strong teams and Vanderbilt and Kentucky as well. I think that's maybe a little bit unfair. Vanderbilt has had some up and down years and, and had come tantalizingly close to you know relevance, I guess I could say, uh, in college football. But I don't know what the Vanderbilt, you know, what the expectations are. Missouri was very much like Vanderbilt in, in many years, and Gary Pinkle has brought this expectation of winning to where this season fans are tearing their hair out. Year in, year out, do Vanderbilt fans, do they get restless? Do they get numb in seasons like the last couple where they've been bad? What is a team like Vanderbilt? What are their expectations in the SEC conference? So we, we actually see a big shift thanks to James Franklin in his three successful years. Uh, Franklin came in, he averaged eight wins a season. He got this team to three bowl games, something that had never happened before. He won nine games with his team two years in a row. Uh, it hadn't happened in nearly 100 years. A very, very big shift in the culture when, when Franklin was down here. We went from a very apathetic fan base to being able to bring some people back that 
it kind of ditched that same old vanity mindset where football was just the three months you waited for before basketball season started. Uh, and, and now you see it since it, the fan base is a little bit more restless now because we're losing games again and we're losing them like we did back in the 90s. And it's not even those Bobby Johnson 2002 to 2008 style losses where they were close and competitive. These are more frustrating, everything's terrible, burn everything to the ground kind of losses. And I think people, in a good way, are starting to say, you know what, this isn't acceptable. We've proven that you can win in Nashville despite our academic standards, despite a stadium that only seats about 40,000 people. Uh, We've proven that you can get it done here. So I think the Vanderbilt fan of 2015 is a lot less likely to accept losing to accept another three and nine or four and eight or two and ten season, and I think the expectation, maybe not for this season, but for next season, is going to be on Mason to get to that six win plateau, show real improvement, and get this team trending in the right direction. And if he can't do that, it's not just the fans that are going to be upset. I think the administration uh, has kind of bought into their own success as well, and I think we're going to see Mason get the hook if he can't improve things after uh, after 2016. Going into this game, Missouri is uh, obviously flawed on offense deeply, uh, but has a very, very impressive defense. Tell me what your pick is, I guess, or what your expectations are for this game. What do you think it's going to turn out like? Uh, I, you know what, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough one to watch at times. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of frustration, uh, a handful of turnovers, some some bad sacks on either side. Uh, I expect, expect that at least one team to, to bust out a gadget play that just backfires horribly. Uh, <laughs> and that's hilarious for one side and uh, the opposite side, which is probably going to be Vanderbilt. Uh, we're going to be pouring ourselves some, uh, some double whiskeys on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, the scoring affair. Uh, I, I like the Commodores to win this one at home. they got a lot of questions to answer. They're still improving on the fly. And the defense is good enough to, to hold Missouri to... Uh, a point total that they can uh, they can capitalize on. I, I like Vandy in the 13-10 win, but we'll see. Well, you know, that's almost optimistic based on the last couple of weeks I've had. We haven't scored a touchdown in the last two weeks, so uh, a 10-point score uh, indicates that we'll get in the end zone, which is a massive improvement for the Tigers. I mean, it could be five safeties. We'll see. <laughs> that, that's very well true. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, Christian. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on again, and uh, good luck this weekend. Hopefully, uh, neither one of us has to start pouring the whiskey directly into our eyes around the, uh, the ninth sack of the game. Yeah, I'll have mine ready. <laughs> All right, have a good one, and and, uh, Christian can be found at anchorofgold.com. We have a little surprise for you now, an unexpected uh, visitor is with us. First time we've had a player interview. We're now joined by uh, punter, freshman, Corey Fatoni. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Hey, oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you've been one of the most pleasant surprises in this season. What's it like to be a, a college football player? Hey, it's great. You know, uh, I punted a football. Everybody likes me a lot. I'm doing a great job. The coaches are really happy. They tell me every day, you guinea bastards, you're getting better with each week. Yeah, well, that, that's great, and you are getting better. Tell us a little bit about your, your pregame ritual. What what do you do bef- to get ready for a college football game? Well, there's a lot to do. I mean, I, I eat a lot of pasta. I smoke a lot of cigarettes. Uh, mama's, mama's meatballs are always good. But, uh, you know, Mama, she's not around, so uh, I have to do what I can do. 
Sure, that that's, that can be tough. I'm sure. Mid game, halftime. You know, what's what's the uh, coach's pep talk like? What, what do you do to stay in the game? Well, you know, my mindset is uh, I got to be ready at all times. I'm the fourth down quarterback. You know what I mean? That's that's what I am. Sure. So you know, again, a little more pasta, a little more cigarettes. You know, uh, that's that, that sort of thing. I just I, I, I like to keep loose. A little wine, maybe a touch, just a little bit. Sure, sure. You know, when, when it's not football time, whenever you're a, a college student, you're out and about, how do you spend your free time? How do you keep loose? Uh, you know, we like, I like to go out and have a good time. I uh, It's my birthday today, in case you didn't know. Happy birthday. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, my uh, parents just got me my uh, birthday gift. It's what I've always wanted, a 1990 IROC. Yeah. So I'm uh, going to take that out tonight, put on my best silk shirt, put on my best gold chain. going to pick up Drew Locke. We're going to head out to... Head out to the bars. How do you how do you how do you two do out of the bars? By the way, pretty good. But well, I think tonight we're gonna go to Harpo's, and uh, I take Drew with me because you know he brings the ladies in, and you know, oh, Corey, boom, 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 he finishes the job. Huh? Yeah, we do okay. We I do th- okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Sure. Yeah, yeah. A couple of young guys on the prowl. That sounds like a lot of fun. You better believe it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, big game against Vanderbilt. What are your What are your expectations for the Tigers the rest of the season? Well, if it's like every other game, I'll be really busy. So, uh, you know, that's, that's always good. I like to get on the field. Yeah. You know, maybe this, uh, maybe this football thing turns into a career. You know, maybe the NFL comes calling. If not, you know, I move to Jersey. I become a union rep. Sure. Sure. You know, it's interesting, Corey. Um, I, I see here you're from Franklin, Tennessee. I, I don't necessarily know that you have what I expect as a Tennessee accent. Well, there's a little part of Tennessee. Uh, it's uh, known as uh, Little Sicily, and that's where I'm from originally. Okay. It's a good place, a good place to grow up. Sure. I, didn't, I was not aware of that. Yeah, so uh, there you go. Uh-huh. So, do you have a girl, or you, or you just uh, you mentioned? You just... <laughs> I got a few. You know <laughs> what I mean? I don't like to tie myself down to one. When you punt like this guy, when I, you got a right leg like me, you know, hey, and the third leg ain't bad either. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, thanks for joining us, Corey. It's been a lot of fun. Good luck to you the rest of the way. Uh, you're quite a quite a kicker. Hey, I appreciate that. You're a good fella. All right. With us now is Howard Richards. Thanks for joining us again, Howard. Hey, appreciate it, Brendan. It's uh, always good to join you. I think the last time we talked was at uh, before the UConn game, and a lot's happened since then. But a lot of it has been consistent. And uh, as an offensive lineman yourself, I feel like you're the ideal person to talk to about Missouri's struggles on offense because a lot of them are centered around this offensive line. There's been talk of movement for the first time, of switching positions. Not new players, but new uh, arrangement of players. Tell me how you think the new look of the offensive line will be, and do you think that it will affect change dramatically enough to impact this offense? Well, that's hard to say if uh, you know if there is any any movement, uh, any shuffling on that offensive line. Usually, it's a, it becomes a situation of desperation once you start moving guys midseason, and uh, it's, it's a clear sign that things aren't going your way. That said, if the, the people that you have in your frontline positions are not getting the job done, then um, you, you owe it to the team to 
changes to give others a chance to see what they can do. It's not unlike when I was a freshman at Mizzou. We were struggling throughout my freshman year, ended up with a losing season. But I uh, was inserted as a starter in the eighth game of the season and never left the starting lineup there. So they had a lot of confidence in me, and uh, I was certainly grateful to Alana Frio and his staff for doing so. But, you know, you get chances, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But um, I, I think you owe it to yourself to try to do something to – uh, jumpstart any kind of positive change change uh, on this offense and you know if that happens we'll we'll see if it uh, if it works well you mentioned you getting a shot as a freshman but that's not really what we're seeing here at least that's not what the talk has been as far as trying young guys and replacing guys in spots it's really like talk of Connor McGovern going inside and uh, you know next to Evan Bame again and maybe moving somebody else to left tackle do you think that the, that the Tigers should give one of these younger guys a start? What's the positives and negatives of doing that? I know at the line position, sometimes the young guys just aren't big enough. But, but you know, like you said, things aren't working. And do you think that's a viable alternative is to try somebody who hasn't been seeing the field much? I do. I, I absolutely do. I mean, what's the alternative? Yeah. <laughs> continue. Just you the continue. shuffling, you know, just that yeah. more you know, shuffling. You know, it, it, sometimes it works, and you'll never know if it works. You'll never know if, if you've got a player that has great potential if he doesn't get on the field. Right. Uh, you know, it, it is tried and true. Um, players sometimes evolve, you know, once they're given that opportunity. Always be prepared. You never know when your opportunity is going to come. But it's, it, it comes down to what you do in practice, what you do in the off season. Being prepared to... Uh, for your opportunity, and, and that's that's tantamount. You, you just this is what competition and, and athletics and sport is is all about. You know, waiting for your opportunity. That's why you're there. You're there to perform. You're there to to achieve great things, and you're there to contribute. And so you, you may as well be ready. Evan Bame and Connor McGovern are two of the clear best performers on this line that has struggled so much. And if they move Connor McGovern back inside. I think my interpretation of that is it could only impact more positively the the running game, which has struggled the most, I think, that there just haven't been holes developing. Occasionally in the passing game, the pockets have held, but the running game has not found any luck. What what do you predict would be the impact of having Evan Bame and Connor McGovern back together on the inside? Do you think that uh, Russell Hansborough and Ishwitter could see some light that they haven't seen before? Well, here's the, here's the, the bigger issue. Who replaces Conor McGovern at, at left tackle? It does move inside. Right. That's that's the key because yeah, what I will say is that in addition to Bain and McGovern, that Nate Crawford has done very well at right tackle. But I think given the fact that he's a first year starter, he has performed to me pretty admirably. Um, but yeah, it's been tough on the inside. You know, the guards have, have allowed far too much penetration. Uh, on basic play, you know, most the run game and the pass protection, they're getting beat right at, you know, the snap of the football. And if your quarterback can't step up into the pocket because you know it's collapsing immediately, you, you've got big troubles. And so, you know, McGovern's a, a big, strong guy, and he's he's got experience at playing guard. But you know, again, the bigger problem is if they were to move him inside, you know, who plays left tackle? Right. So I'm not sure 
you know, if that's the move that they make. I know they're, you know, toying with different ideas, but I don't think we're going to know until they actually kick off at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Matty Mock was once again for the fourth straight week uh, not in the depth chart, suspended for disciplinary reasons, which Coach Pinkle has made quite clear that he's not going to get into. There have been increasing calls that I've seen for the uh, local media to do a little bit of investigative work to to maybe dig into just what is going on with the Matty Mock situation. It's clear that we're not going to get an official answer from the from the athletic department, but you got a major SEC quarterback who's basically looks like he's going to be suspended for the entirety of the season, and we and it's really just no answers, only rumors and and innuendo as to what possibly has happened. Do you think that the press, the local media, has an obligation outside their just beat reporter coverage of the of the team to sort of dig around, or do you think that their job is to let a young kid figure out his own problems and not get involved? I mean, what's your take on on the media's responsibility on a, on a situation like that where we're really just in the dark, but it's high, but it's high visibility? Well, as far as media is concerned, if they're doing their jobs. In a respectful manner, I don't have a problem with it, um, and I—it's I, highly unusual that even though Mock is suspended, that we don't have any official statement on it. I think, you know, that's a little bit problematic because you have people that, you know, here's a guy that has has been your starter and won, you know, 15, 16 games as a starter and has a good record as a starter, and then suddenly he's not in the lineup for violation of team rules. Well. You know, you can get away with that for a few weeks, but people will want to know what the situation is. And I think if you, uh, personally, if, if you deal with it and get it out of the way, then it, the problem goes away. You don't have to continue to to deal with the same questions week in, week out. I'm, I'm sure most people probably have gotten frustrated. You can sometimes hear it in, in his voice um, during the press conferences. And, but I, I think, I, personally, I think it should be addressed in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And, and what I think will happen is, you know, the longer the athletic department, well, excuse me, the football program and Coach Finkel are silent about it, you will have, you know, some journalists that will, you know, take it upon himself to to find out what the situation really is. Um, so I, I expect that. And, you know, whether the outcome is good, bad, or indifferent, it would surprise me if nothing, if no one does a story on it. I'm sure you know there are those that have tried or been trying with no success as yet, but um, I expect it, it will happen at some point very soon because, as you mentioned, it doesn't look like Mark will rejoin the team this year. And, you know, if he doesn't rejoin the team this year, what's, what's his future you right. know, as a senior next year? You know, will he be a part of this thing next year? Um, it's anybody's guess right now. And I guess we will all have to just sit and wait and, and see how this thing unfolds. I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting uh, turn of events. And um, I, I have to think that at some point it has some effect on the team. I don't know how much it does, but it, 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 to say the least, it, uh, it, is, it leads you to believe that, uh, you know, the matter is somewhat of a, uh, of a serious one. Well, Howard, I know you don't make predictions before I let you go. I am going to ask you, do you think Missouri can break its two-game streak and get into the end zone on offense? <laughs> I will go out on a limb just because it's been nine or ten quarters since they've scored a touchdown. I will go out on a limb and say 
that Missouri will get into the end zone against Vanderbilt. Uh, they will score at least one offensive touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a sad state of affairs that that's the level of prediction we're trying to make to be optimistic to say we will score a touchdown. <laughs> you know, it's it's a big. I mean, and I think you know. Here's the thing: if they can get one early in the game, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it will it will certainly put their some of the level of stress at ease. Right. You know, they came awfully close in Georgia. And, and here it is. You, you, you get the football after a turnover, an interception, Ian Simon you know, picks off and runs down to the one-yard line. Hell, if he had scored, that's the ball game. Right. Uh, but then your offense you know, has three tries. You know, the, the, the first snap missed exchange. Then you got two high snaps. and There's penetration allowed up front. It was just a disaster. But if you can't score from the one-yard line, you've got bigger problems. <laughs> That's right. So let's just hope that, you know, they get an opportunity and, and come out and execute and get that first touchdown early. And, and hopefully, you know, things start to evolve from that point And they, you know, get into a rhythm and, and gain some confidence uh, as they start to play better. So it's a pivotal game. It's, it's a pivotal game. There's a lot to play for. It's a step closer to a successful winning season. Right. Uh, so there's a lot that still can be accomplished in 2015 for this team. And, you, you know, the season isn't over until it's over. And that's why every game has to be played by individuals uh, and as a team, you know, as though it's their, their best game. You, you, like there's everything on the line in this particular game. Well, thanks for joining us, Howard. I appreciate it. And uh, have fun in Nashville. Hopefully we see another Tiger win. Absolutely. And uh, look forward to being with you again, Brendan. So there you have it, Colin. Uh, Howard's phone was a little scratchy, but enjoyable interview with him and and particularly Corey Fatoni, I thought. Yeah. You know, Howard had some interesting insights about Maddie and and playing young players. I thought that was interesting. And obviously, Corey Fatoni, a terrific personality, just a great kid. Just a great kid. Big future for that kid. Yeah, I think so. Well, Colin, I'm going to let you go. You get ready for Vanderbilt. I know you got some packing to do. I know you got to ease things over with your wife while you leave her for three Mm days. Uh, Sure. And then we'll uh, get ready for some football. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm buying a economy jug of KY Lube as we speak just to be ready for the game this weekend. All right. Well, with that note, uh, let's let's wrap this sucker up. They, Brennan, one note on the KY Lube. It yeah. does not come in 55-gallon drums for our listeners. I ask, not available. Well, you notice I didn't inquire any further about the lube. You volunteer that information quite readily on your own. Well, I, I just feel like it's it's worth noting. Okay. Well, I was going to say M-I-Z, but uh, if you want to still talk about lube. No, we're good. Okay. Well, then M-I-Z. Z-O-U. He brings the ladies in, and you know, oh, Corey, boom, 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 he finishes the job, huh?